Welcome to Light Warrior Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Karen Can, author of the number one bestseller, Guide to Healing Chronic Pain, A Holistic Approach. And my goal is to help inspire you and empower you to manifest the life of your dreams, whether that's radiant health, prosperity, loving relationships, or simply peace of mind. And if you happen to be a highly sensitive person like I am, we have a special gift for you. It's the Sensitive Soul Guide. It's the Sensitive Soul Empowerment Guide where you can learn the three ways of navigating your way to more peace, positivity, and personal power. And you can get that at SensitiveSoulGuide.com. And uh, you'll be added to my mailing list. And we have lots of really cool things that we do every month, free mini healings, readings, etc. So we'd love to have you as part of the tribe. Now today we have a very special guest, and this is perfect because we found out about her through someone who you know contacted me. And the minute I saw the topic, I'm like, yes. <laughs> and what it is about? Get this, it's sacred rest. So what is that? Well, we're gonna find out. And here's the thing: I have noticed in my you know medical doctor world and my light medicine world, there's a lot of doing out there. And, and I'm one of them. I'm one of the biggest doers you're ever going to meet. I love do, 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 do. And now at least I know how to meditate on the fly. So it's lucky for me, I've gotten a much better system going. Uh, but here's the thing is that people underestimate and underrate the importance of rest and not just any rest. So we're, today we're going to learn about the seven different types of rest there is and even cooler, you can actually uh, do a quiz. Um, it's going to be at restquiz.com. So check it out um, and do your quiz to figure out for you uh, what you need. And so I believe that rest is one of those things that we do not appreciate as a society because everyone's always about productivity, always about growing, always about expanding. However, I've noticed, especially as a holistic medical doctor and light medicine doctor, that without the balance of yin and yang, without that rest, we really are not going to accomplish the things that we want to accomplish or even manifest the things that we desire um, without that kind of sacred rest. So I'm super excited uh, to talk with our guest today. So let me tell you a little bit about her. So her name is Dr. Sandra Dalton-Smith, and she's a board-certified internal medicine physician, <laughs> a CDC Wellness Series speaker and best-selling author. She is an international wellness expert featured in numerous media outlets, including Prevention, MSNBC, Women's Day, Fox Fast Company, Psychology Today, and as a guest on the Dr. Oz Show. She is the author of numerous books, including her new book, Sacred Rest, Recover Your Life, Renew Your Energy, Restore Your Sanity, including groundbreaking insight on the seven types of rest needed to optimize your productivity, increase your overall happiness, overcome burnout, and live your best life. Over 100,000 people have discovered their personal rest deficits using her free assessment. Like we said earlier, it's at restquiz.com. So Dr. Sandra, welcome to the show. Hi, Dr. Karen. Thanks for having me. Yeah, super excited to have you here. And, and we would love to know how does a uh, board-certified internal medicine physician get into this space of, you know, all these best-selling books and talking about rest? Maybe give us a, you know, kind of a, a background of, first of all, how you decide to be a physician and then how did you transition into this space? Yes, well, honestly, I don't recall ever wanting to do anything other than medicine. I was the kid with the operation game from the very beginning when it came oh, out. Oh, I love that one. <laughs> so I just had a love for science and for the human body. And honestly, I just really got grounded in the sciences. And 
you know, I think for many of us who love science, we are a bit of a high achiever. <laughs> we tend to have mentalities mm -hmm. of let's get stuff done, and the more we can get done, the more productive and the more successful we are. And so that was the, the, the journey that I was on for the majority of my life. You know, I had my goals, and I went and got them. And it got to a point where, you know, most of my major life goals I had checked off. I had the, the career. I had the kids. I had the husband. I had the house and the car and all those things that I really <laughs> thought would make me so happy. And I just recall coming home one night from picking up the my boys were toddlers at the time, picking them up at daycare. And, you know, I got home and, and I looked around at my life. And like I said, I was in the middle of everything that I had wanted to check off on those boxes. And I still wasn't happy. I still wasn't feeling fulfilled. I, I was exhausted every day, all day. And I think I had gotten to a point because most doctors are exhausted. I, you know, I thought <laughs> I had got this mentality that that exhaustion was just part of it, that my life couldn't be separated from it. And that got to be a very debilitating and hopeless feeling. And I think it was in that moment when I came home with my kids, I talk about it in the chapter, first chapter of my book, I literally laid out on the foyer floor staring up at this, oh, you know, wow. this huge, you know, this huge um, grand opening, <laughs> staring up on this hardwood floor at this huge grand opening and this house that I had like uh, always said I wanted. And I thought, is this what I've created? Because this doesn't feel good to live in anymore. Wow. And that's when it hit me that I had to change something because I was going, I was spiraling down. I was spiraling down while on media, while writing best-selling books, while getting book contracts, <laughs> you know, while having a thriving practice, I was spiraling down. And I knew I couldn't be the only one. You know, I saw, I've seen many very successful mm -hmm. people, you know, we hear about them at the top of their game and then next thing we know, they're, they've committed suicide. And we're like, what happened? Well, I, I know what happened. <laughs> they, they, mm. they, were, they had gotten into a point where their life no longer was enjoyable. Even though they were still producing good fruit that was blessing and helping other people, they weren't enjoying any of the goodness they were producing for themselves. And I didn't want to be right. that person anymore. Wow, that's amazing. That is amazing. Well, and, and, you know, I mean, internal medicine is no joke. I mean, for me, being a highly sensitive person, going through medical school was so difficult for my physical body and yes. being able to feel other people's emotions and, and, and you know, um, in internal medicine, you deal with really, really sick people. So um, I can just imagine that that exhaustion, and I, for me, I don't know if you know, but I you know went through the whole fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue syndrome, Hashimoto's thyroiditis, mm -hmm. autoimmune, <laughs> you know, and coming out the other side. And so it's amazing. And I, I think, and the other thing I wanted to share is just um, so many people have told me, and I want to share with you, is that they so appreciate physicians who have you know, shifted into the space of, of wellness um, because they want more and more physicians to be in this space. And um, I know we don't learn a lot of this in medical school, but uh, you are highly appreciated by my tribe. <laughs> well, thank you, Karen. You know what? I, I'm really encouraged. And I, and I think you'll be encouraged by this as well. One of the main things that I do now, you know, other than medicine, is I travel to hospitals and I speak to their medical staff about this not only for their, themselves, their own burnout prevention, but how to help recognize when a patient doesn't need another pill, but really needs to understand the, the toxicity of their lifestyle. And so it's, it's really becoming something that physicians are willing to hear because I mm. think that the current system is very broken. 
Yeah, yeah, I know. There's um, it's it, it's it's very very challenging. I mean, from the get go when we start medical school, I mean, I was super excited about the science, and even when I looked at my medical journals, um, if there was something back then about a vitamin or something holistic, I, I kind of would skip over it because I'm like, well, whatever, <laughs> that's boring. <laughs> you know, I want to learn about the next pill or the next surgery or the next, you know, really cool high tech thing, and I didn't really realize how important our lifestyle was because I was like oh yeah just eat good you know just yeah you know mm -hmm. eat good food like just stop eating so much sugar processed food and fat that's what I would say and just that's all the advice I would give you know <laughs> or yeah get some more sleep or you know do some stress relief but I couldn't do it for myself really right I, mean, I was yeah. eating KFC once a week you know <laughs> Uh, but I was slim and I thought I was healthy until everything kind of uh, crumbled. So thank you for sharing your journey. I think it's important. Um, wow. So then what happened? I mean, after that piece where you were like on the floor and, you know, what did you start doing? Yeah, well, I, honestly, the very first thing I did was I went back to my textbooks, you know. Uh, you know, I'm trained to think about if you're, you know, feeling that level of exhaustion, there has to be something chemically or, you know, there's something out of order. And so I, I did what I would do for my patients. I did the, the you know, the, the grand list of testing of every possible thing that I could possibly think that could be wrong with me. Um, and it all came back normal. Honestly, I was pretty ticked off. I, I could see why my patients were mad when that happens because it's like You're, I, I wanted right. something to be wrong so that I could just fix it and move on with it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when that wasn't the case, nothing came back abnormal. I started thinking maybe I just need to sleep more. And so that's, right. you know, I, I, in internal medicine, I'm in the area I live, I practice traditional internal medicine meaning I'm in the ER, I'm in the ICU, yeah, I'm in the yeah. office, you know, it's all, it's all day. So I was like, okay, well, I'm going to really put an uh, effort into getting these eight hours of sleep. And I, was, and I did it. I was able to get eight, nine hours of sleep every night by doing some tweaks with my schedule, and it didn't help. You know, what do huh. you do when you're tired and, and getting what, you know, everybody says, get eight to nine hours of sleep, right. and you still wake up as tired as when you went to sleep. And that's when it really hit me, okay, there's something more than sleep that I need. I'm exhausted. And so I started to ask myself exactly what is exhausted <laughs> because it can't be just something that sleep is fixing. And that's really what took me on the route of looking at the seven types of rest. At the time, I didn't know there were seven. I was just kind of chronicling um, what's tired today? What, what, what about me is exhausted? How did I spend my energy today? And I would look at, you know, what happened in the hospital or in the office? Was there a difficult patient? Did I end up, did, did I lose somebody? You know, was there a death? Uh, you know, was there an argument with my husband? Did something happen with my kids? I started mm. to look at all of these different things because what I found was, you know, different days I would have, you know, I would feel particularly exhausted. And when I looked back, it wasn't that I physically did that much, but there were some emotional or social things that happened that drained me. And mm. so, you know, the, the science part of me thought, okay, well, if I pour out of this area, you know, energy is not created, you know, you just basically transfer it. So mm -hmm. if I'm pouring out energy in one area, what am I doing to pour it back in? And when I really got honest about that answer in some of these areas where I felt the most depleted emotionally, socially, you know, those areas, I wasn't pouring back in. I didn't have the time, or at least so I thought, to pour back into these areas. And that's when I really got serious about let me see what it takes 
to fill myself back up emotionally and socially and mentally and all of these different areas that, that really had gotten to a place of, of distress. That's super interesting. I think that most people do. I know, you know, I see people all the time, even though I do, you know, I'm retired from my regular physician practice. I just do light medicine right now. Um, people are just really stuck mentally on the physical. Um, mm -hmm. Like, you know, I'm so tired. Like, you know, I've had all these lab tests and what tests do you think I should do? What remedies do you think I should take? What supplements? You know, and uh, I think, you know, some of my folks actually have more awareness than the average person because they're like, I'm so exhausted because I'm feeling other people's stuff. Like, you know, like they have some awareness mm -hmm. of that. Um, but I think that the average person is going to think just physical. And what you're saying is like, wait, I did all the physical tests. I, I got the eight hours of sleep and that was not it. Um, and no. we have to look at these other areas. Because that's the thing. If you're... Try if your exhaustion is in any of the other six air types of rest, then focusing on the physical will keep you exhausted. And I think that's where most of the world is. They think mm -hmm. they keep trying to figure out how do I get better, higher quality sleep. And then when they, you know, they take a pill for it, they are doing all of these things trying to improve their sleep when their their level of depletion, their deficit is not a physical rest deficit but it's either a mental or spiritual or emotional or social or sensory or creative rest. Ooh, okay. So are those the different kinds of rests? Those are the seven, yes. Wow, okay. So can you say them again? Yes, yeah, so we have the three most people are familiar with are the physical, mental, and spiritual. Most of us have at least heard of those. And then the mm -hmm. four that were, are less common but are showing up more in the research are emotional, social, sensory, and creative. Oh, that's so interesting. Can you give us an example of either, you know, yourself or a person that you've worked with that has each of those things and what it would look like, kind of, you know, practically speaking? Yeah, I, and I can do it. Let me do it in a way that maybe um, will help somebody identify themselves in it. Sure. Because um, I know for myself and anyone who works with people or deals with people in their personalities on a regular basis, counselors, teachers, doctors, pastors, um, nurses, anyone who's dealing with people and their emotions. Um, if you ever feel like you have this, um, you get home at the end of the day and it's like you, you just don't want to talk to anybody else, <laughs> you, you know, you're, you walk in the door and your kids ask for dinner and you automatically kind of get defensive or irritated because it's like one more person wants something else of you. Um, you're feeling the sensation that um, you no longer feel intimate or want to have any type of level of intimacy with your spouse because it's just another emotional attachment that you don't feel like having to deal with. All of those kind of relate to the emotional and the, and the social part of a rest deficit. Emotional rest deficit is when you are constant and social. They go hand in hand, but the emotional part is when you're constantly feeling like you're having to keep your emotions under control. You're not able to be authentic. You're not able to let your real feelings just come out. You know, as oh. a physician, you can't be in the ER or the ICU crying beside the family. Your heart could be just as broken at the child that's laying on the bed you can't do anything for. But you have to keep all of that in. 
Uh, same with nurses, teachers. You're always having to kind of guard how you respond to parents and maybe situations you don't agree with. And so an emotional rest deficit for many of us has to do with the mask we wear. And when we talk about masks, a lot of people think, well, I'm not inauthentic. You know, I practice authenticity. There's a level of professionalism that requires us to have a mask on. Yeah. And people don't recognize that. And so because they don't recognize that that is also a level of an emotional rest deficit, what happens is if you don't have opportunities to be fully authentic, even in those raw emotions that your profession has caused you to damper down, mm -hmm. you will still feel the stress of that. And so I think it's healthy for physicians to occasionally have a, people who understand their lifestyle where you can just, you know, have a beer, cry, whatever it takes to, um, to kind of get those emotions out and say, yeah. you know, today sucked. I lost, particularly in the situation we're in right now, I lost 10 patients that I could, they couldn't even have their family by their bedside. You know, right. so it's, it's a very interesting dynamic when you think about emotion because it's not just about depression or anxiety. There's some underlying things that keep a lot of people emotionally stressed. And then the social aspect of that, a social rest, is the rest we get when we are around positive, life-giving people. Now, the problem with that is most of our energy is spent with those people who are pulling on our energy. Our kids need things from us. Our spouses need things from us. Our patients, our clients, you know, all of those people are requiring stuff from us. And so they are negatively pulling on our social energy. doesn't mean they're bad people. It's just the dynamics of that relationship. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, most adults spend more time with those people than they do with the friends that are life-giving because the friends that are life-giving aren't demanding. Oh, wow. 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 That is amazing. Yeah, I can see myself in various different situations and different times. And what you said about the emotional was so true. And being a highly sensitive person, I mean, it took every ounce of energy does not ball, you know, and cry and, you know, in, in, in front of the patients. And sometimes I did, you know, I mean, not ball, yeah. but, you know, tears would run down or whatever. And it was tough. Um, but it, it, now that you've said it this way, oh my gosh, it's so true that there's a level of professionalism and then having, there is energy that's required, you know, to be able to do that. Um, and then we don't realize that sometimes we just have to, let it out, maybe not there, but somewhere else. Um, and then by the time we come home, we just stop it. Or what I was pretty good mm -hmm. about crying with my husband, <laughs> you know, what was going on and, and that kind of thing. But a lot and that's of people good. Can't. Exactly, because that's good. I think so often people don't. They, they feel like they, you know, they don't want to bring their work home, is right. what a lot of us say. They don't so want to burden wanna... their loved ones. And... Yes, but then they don't have anyone that they're sharing it with. And honestly, you know, in medicine, in medicine particularly in residency and internship years, when I mm -hmm. think it's the hardest, when you haven't, you know, I say calloused your soul a little bit, because I feel like sometimes medicine does that. You kind of callous it down in that attempt to not feel yeah. the, the pain of the emotional unrest. Um, you know, I think what happens during those years is, is that really there should be like residency support groups to help to kind of mm -hmm. have an outlet. You know, yeah, we, we actually had one. Um, it was very uh, unusual, and uh, it was uh, headed by a family doctor and a psycho uh, psychiatrist, awesome. and who, she was pretty woo-woo. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, we called it the you know the the medicine support group, and it was just us. It was just like almost like a pilot program mm -hmm. and um, you know people didn't come and go it was just like five of us and we met every single month and just shared our blah, you know whatever was going on 
Um, and I really think that, I mean, that helped so immensely me make it through. Now, I just completely forgot about that, that that does not normally exist. No, not at all. Um, <laughs> wow, wow, wow. And, the, and then the social thing is super interesting as well, because I think a lot of my highly sensitive people feel exactly that. Like, they're such givers, natural givers, that mm -hmm. they give, 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 and then, then they start to get resentful, right, when they... Exactly, yeah. And, and that's in part because, <laughs> yeah, and that's in part, you know, that that feeling resentful. And this is something that really I had to get honest about with myself. Is that's how I felt. I always felt like people were taking advantage of me. Hey, can mm. you take my extra call shift? Hey, can we switch up this? And I, I, what I finally had to understand is that they weren't taking advantage of me. I was letting them walk on me. Mm. I had very, I had very weak personal boundaries which is where a lot of people get in trouble with getting a rest deficit because their, their personal boundaries on how they engage with people has a lot of people-pleasing behaviors attached to it, which will put some people at higher risk for emotional and social um, rest deficits because of their tendency to not have those personal boundaries erected. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and uh, you know, these things are... Uh, take some practice for sure. They do, I mean, yeah. And continue to take practice. <laughs> yeah, because some of our personalities are just, I'm not by nature very confrontational. I'm an HSP as well. I have a kind of a very quiet spirit. So I, you know, that's not my normal go-to. I'm not the loud, boisterous, in-your-face kind of person. Mm -hmm. You know, because some people have no issues setting their personal boundaries. You know, they, it's like they came out the womb doing so. Um, yeah. But some of us don't. That's not our, our go-to uh, mentality in life. And so I, it does take practice. And sometimes it's uncomfortable. But I think for myself, just like, you know, it's uncomfortable sometimes when I decide I want to run a half marathon, there are some things that require some training. And that training yeah. overall is good for you. Mm, I love it. I love it. Well, tell us some examples from some of the other types. Well, the, one of my favorite ones is creative rest, and it's one that I think that is, many people are deficient in and don't understand. Um, creative rest, uh, let me put it this way. I think it's easier to understand if I tell you what it, what, what it looks like. Sure. Uh, if you've ever been to the beach or in the mountains or out in, the, in the, the woods, kind of looking at the trees and the leaves and listening to the birds and had this feeling of just peace and tranquility hits you, that's creative rest. Creative rest is the rest that we receive when we allow ourselves to experience beauty. That could be mm -hmm. natural beauty. That could be man-made beauty like an art museum or at the theater or listening to the symphony. But it's the ex experience of letting beauty awaken something inside of you. So it's not like going to an art class and drinking a bottle of wine while you're there and painting with your friends. That's creative work. You're actually having, putting a demand on your creativity to do something. Creative rest, you allow beauty to create inside of you. So that's where you get motivated. And the problem is wow. many people don't find themselves as creative because they think, well, I'm not an artist or, you know, I'm not a writer, so I don't have a creative rest deficit. If you're someone who has to be innovative, if you have to brainstorm and think outside of the box, if you're a teacher having to come up with a lesson plan that affects visual learners and auditory learners, you know, if you're a doctor and you're having to come up with creative ways to explain things to patients that may be on different education levels, you're using creative rest. Are you're using creative energy and you need creative rest because you're pouring out of your creative areas even though you're not considering that as creativity. It is. 
Wow. Yeah, that, that totally, totally resonates with me. And it's probably one of the reasons why I, I'm very fortunate that I live in the country. Now, I grew up in the city, and there's a certain vibe, you know, in the city. But being in the country, literally surrounded by, you know, forests and trees and animals and deer and, you know, that kind of stuff, just walk outside, you know, every day. I am so busy creatively like you were talking about, like innovating, creating, creating courses, you know, teaching, mm -hmm. you know, all the tons and tons of creative energy. And that actually is my wealth and dynamics profile is actually creator. So that comes easily to me. But it just makes so much sense that there's this balance, you know, that has to happen um, so I can recharge and uh, be introspective. And it's funny, when we were talking about socially, I was like, I don't need to be around people. I just need to be by myself. Right. <laughs> Um, and I get to do that a, a, a lot. Like I can interact with so many people, you know, online and phone and things like that. And then there's like just me, you know, and I'm perfectly happy just being, I actually put something on Facebook the other day, just as a, I put these random questions, just curious, you know, what people are like. And I just, this thought popped in, up into my mind about, cause I saw some, you know, TV shows and they were showing jails and stuff like that in the TV shows. And I thought to myself, huh, these, uh, these, these, um, inmates that really don't like to be put in isolation, like it's the most horrible punishment for them. Because I'm thinking, well, they would be just left with their thoughts, right? That would be really, really hard, given all the negative thoughts they try to push out and, you know, act mm -hmm. out, you know, but then they don't have that. And I'm thinking, but what about, what if it were me? What if I was in that situation? And I'm thinking, you know, I'd be a lot safer, I think, in isolation. <laughs> <laughs> than interacting with all these, you know, heavy-duty inmates. Anyway, I put that random question out there, and it's so funny because a lot of the highly sensitive people, you know, who I know answered, uh, definitely isolation, you know. Um, and cause you're actually describing trained. sensory rest. Ah, <laughs> yes, I was going to get to that. Yeah, I was like, I wonder you if sure are. Rest. <laughs> you're, you're, at, you're describing it because, you know, and, and you're right, HSPs, the amount of sensory rest that people need really does depend on their kind of their, their biological makeup. I do think highly sensitive persons tend to enjoy sensory rest and require uh, more of it than someone who's not. Um, particularly since, just as you mentioned, it's just getting back to allowing silence and darkness and, you know, down tuning all the lights and all of the sensory inputs and just being mindful of that, the noise. The biggest one I find for most people is that, you know, most environments have a level of background noise that people aren't really paying attention to or aware of. Some people keep, you know, their computers going, um, their TVs rather, or radio going in the background all day long. Whether anybody's looking at it or not, it's just kind of a background hum. Yes, if you work in so an environment that has like phones ringing and things. And so it's important to realize, you know, if you're coming home from work and you have a noisy environment you work in, it may better serve you to kind of drive home in silence rather than listening to talk radio on the way home, just to let yourself down, downgrade a little bit or at least have blocks in your day to downgrade so that you don't walk in the door of your home kind of agitated unknowingly why. Because high levels of sensory input for most of us lead to agitation and anger. Mm, yeah, it's like having too much static on us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that is amazing. Yeah, that is amazing. Um, I, I, and I was, you know, I really underappreciated that. I think that um, 
one day um, when I was learning more about just being embodied and feeling my body what was going on, I was noticing I was in the kitchen doing something and my husband was like years ago, um, he was playing I think a violent video game or watching a scary movie, I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was there was screaming. Okay, so I'm mm. hearing, I'm in the kitchen doing something completely different, not watching the movie, right? And all I'm hearing is this woman screaming like she's being tortured, okay? And I just, I could feel my body just tensing. And I was like, wow. Because I'm thinking, wow, this happens like often. And it was just the first time I really noticed that, my, mm-hmm. <laughs> that it actually bothered me. And so then we had a conversation with my husband. I said, you know, honey, you know, I noticed I was getting into a stress response. Now, it's not that I don't like enjoy, you know, scary movies sometimes or whatever, supernatural things where people scream, you know, but it's like I'm in, if I'm in the movie, that's one thing if I'm watching it, but if I'm not, Mm -hmm. it actually is really stressful. And he said, well, thanks for letting me know, you know, so we got him this headset, um, a wired headset. And he actually feels like it's more like a 3D sound, so he actually enjoys it. Ah, yeah. So, yeah, and so now, and I was so grateful. Like, I was like, thank you, honey, thank you, honey, thank you, honey. You know, I was so grateful because now it's like he would be like playing video games. All I could hear is a little bit of clicking from his little clicker thing or whatever or the occasional mm-hmm. swear word. But <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the funny thing is the dog runs off, right? The dog doesn't want to stay near daddy when he's doing that. He just runs off in the camera. <laughs> So then I, when I come out, it just, it, it feels like, okay, I'm surrounded by beauty, I'm surrounded by the country, and I'm not surrounded by screaming. Mm-hmm. And it made such a difference. It made such a difference in my life. So, yeah, I hear you. <laughs> and that's the thing. I think that's an important point, too, because, you know, how you experience rest and what you need as far as restoring yourself is sometimes completely different, oftentimes completely different than how your spouse restores themselves. I get a lot of emails from women who will say, you know, my husband and I did the quiz and, you know, he needs rest in this area and he's out there chopping wood and I don't see how that's restful, but he says it is. But, Mm. you know, for a lot of times for many men, things that are repetitive activities, fishing, golfing, you know, chopping wood, if their need is mental rest, then those repetitive activities, they're not really thinking about them. It's almost like their brain goes to this quiet spot so that they're just doing this repetitive thing with their body, but their head space, their cerebral space quiets down. And so they're getting the rest they need even though it doesn't look restful for you because the rest they're needing is mental, not physical. And so I think it's important to let people, you know, don't judge someone else's rest. You know, (laughs) you can, the way you know if what you've done is restful is that you feel restored in the area that you were trying to rest. Mm, That makes so much sense. Yeah, my husband loves to do CrossFit and really, really like tough exercise. Mm -hmm. And he feels fantastic afterwards. (laughs) You know, so. So I clears his mind. You know, he's sitting there doing the ropes or whatever they're doing, and, you know, it probably clears his mind at the time. He can just kind of let his body do all the work and let his head space kind of clear out. Yeah, that's so interesting. Wow. Do we, what other, did we miss any? Let's see. Um, We did mental then. uh, It's probably spiritual. Spiritual is very unique. It's different for different people. Um, You know, I have my religious beliefs and other people have theirs. I think the core part of that is to just understand that uh, this feeling of belonging and kind of being part of something bigger. I think that's the biggest aspect of spiritual um, rest and taking the religious part out of it 
and kind mm -hmm. of focusing on more kind of a relationship, feeling like you belong and are accepted. Hmm. So that, that it doesn't sound like a thing to do. So how does one it's, get it's into a, that space? Well, for some people, it might depend. Some people get there through meditation. Some people get there through prayer. You know, one of the research studies that I did was one that was specifically related to prayer and how prayer conversations um, actually pattern on the brain very similar to conversations with people that you have. Really? Um, so, yeah, it was one of the most interesting studies I'd ever read. That because is interesting. I think, I think for most of us, because we kind of, when we think about prayer, we don't think about it like that, like a relationship. And I think it's helpful for those who do have a spiritual belief to be able to feel like their prayers are not just going into the air, into nowhere. <laughs> Someone's <laughs> hearing them and, you know, there's, there's something going on beyond just words out of your mouth. And so I, so I thought that was very interesting for those who believe in the power of prayer that their prayers were patterned on the brain just like a normal conversation. Um, and I think that's one of the things to keep in mind also when we're thinking about um, spiritual rest is that it's helpful to, to oftentimes get spiritual rest with people with similar beliefs. Because if you're trying to get spiritual rest with people who don't have similar beliefs, then sometimes that turns into a, well, let me try to prove my religion's better than your religion kind of thing. And we get back into that religion mindset and, and pull away from the relationship. What do we have in common? What commonalities can we lay a foundation on? And I think that's the core of, of the spiritual rest component. Oh, interesting. Okay. So I don't know whether this is considered spiritual rest. I just want to like run it by you. Like sometimes I'll have um, uh, maybe a problem or I want to go out and say thank you and I'll go out in nature and because uh, it's like me talking to myself, you know, it looks like that from the outside. So I'll just have this big old conversation with my angels, you know, yeah, thanking that me is. for this and that and, you know, or I'll just like the other day, uh, last Friday I had a webinar to do and it was raining so hard that the metal roof was so loud. You, I mean, it was, it was going to disturb the webinar. So I said, hey, Uriel and team, if you could just like like have it not rain in this area from this time to this time, I'd really appreciate that. So, <laughs> and then they did, which was awesome. Um, so do you call that spiritual rest? I or do. Like, because okay. when I say prayer, you know, I, when I say prayer, all prayer is is conversation. I mean, mm -hmm. that's, that's all it is. Um, you know, we put so many labels on so many of these things that have to do with religion, but really it's just having a conversation is what prayer is. So whether that is a conversation with your angels or with the universe or with God, you know, it all comes back to you are seeing yourself as part of something bigger than not just kind of in your your day-to-day -day life. There's a bigger universe that's going on around you and that you know that you're a part of it, that you're not kind of extracted out of it and set into nowhere. I think that feeling makes a lot of people feel like, you know, is this as good as it gets and, you know, what happens from here. But to be able to have that feeling that I'm not just in this alone is very helpful. Ah, uh, well, I am, you know, one of my friends that's, is, um, you know, somebody that's in a, in a class with me and uh, he's uh, atheist. Um, his mm -hmm. family members are probably Christian of some sort and, and he gets really annoyed at their <laughs> religiosity, so to speak. Um, because yeah. for him, it doesn't make logical sense. Um, so he says, look, you just die and that's it. You know, that's it. 
you know, and so, um, but I'm concerned about him because his, his health seems to be a little funky lately, and um, I'm not really sure what to say, you know, I don't want to say, oh, you should be religious, or, you know, but there's that, that sense, my, my being empathic, that sense of loneliness, like yeah. there's, and that's what happens, unfortunately. And I have lots of friends who are atheists as well, and that, this is a conversation that I've had to have with them because they don't believe in my, my religious beliefs whatsoever. <laughs> I, you know, I can't even get them to kind of bridge the gap between, you know, I'm not even telling you to believe in what I believe, but I need you to believe in something bigger than yourself. Right. Um, and for, for most of them, kind of the common ground, I guess, that, that we have gotten to or taken at least, um, we can begin the conversation, is can you believe that we are in con interconnected as humanity? Can, can mm -hmm. we at least find a common ground that we can start with, that, uh, that as humans, that we are interconnected with each other, that I can feel your pain and you can feel my pain, and we don't ever have to agree or disagree about, about anything else, but I accept that you're, that you're human and I'm human, and that, and that alone connects us. And so just to bridge that gap that, that there is a deeper level of relationship that goes beyond just I know your name and I know where you live kind of relationship. <laughs> and, I, and that's kind of the, where we start at is, you know, can, I, can we just accept that we are connected as humans? and then kind of have that be the common ground that we start with. So if I invite them over and I have my Christian friends with and my atheist friends together, we can all laugh and have a good time and not talk religion at all. Right. <laughs> or not politics. One, yeah, yeah, not have one word about the stuff that we disagree on. Can we just have fun with each other? Can we yeah. play a game of, of, of volleyball or can we kickball or tennis or whatever and just laugh and enjoy that we are spirit, body and soul working and living together in this same, you know, sphere of time and universe and just be connected that way. And so that's where I start with most of my atheist friends and that's been very effective because that they at least can agree on. We are we are all humans. Mm -hmm. We all have emotions. We all have, you know, feelings. We all have these underlying passes that, that you know, that we have um, independent of each, of each other, but we all have that in common, that we do have passes, and I think that helps most of them to at least start a conversation. Oh, that's fantastic. I really like that. Yeah, that's really resonating. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Um, so when people go to restquiz.com um, to check their rest type, what, what is that like? What, what, is, uh, what does it do? It's intensive. I, <laughs> I'll start there. I, uh, honestly, it takes about five to ten minutes is what most people tell me. Okay. It's supposed to not take more than five, but I find that some of us, particularly those who are high achievers, tend to be overthinkers, so they overthink the questions. I always say <laughs> go with your first answer. Your first impression is what you should click. It's hmm. about 70 questions. Um, it, is an, it is comprehensive because at the end of it, it gives you a result that lets you know where your score is in all seven types of rest. And so that email lets you know how high or low your numbers are in each type and how to kind of grade yourself, so to speak, to see which of the seven types of rest you are most in need of. And then what I tell people is, you know, a lot of times people will tell me, I failed it, I need all seven types. You know, we all need all seven types. We're made up of all seven types. 
but there's usually one or two that you have the highest scores in. Mm. And those are the ones you need to focus on because those are the ones that will make you feel bad. The areas of your highest deficiency are the areas that will keep you feeling tired. Okay. Got it. Got it. And if somebody isn't feeling, well, at least aware that they're feeling tired, um, how would this still be helpful? Well, that's the thing. Most people would. The, the problem is they may not know the area that they're tired in. So what I find is people who say, I feel great. When they take the quiz, they get great scores. <laughs> Their scores actually come back really good. And then people who say, I'm exhausted, and they take the quiz, what happens is they often will get a high score in an area that they didn't even know existed or didn't even mm -hmm. think that they needed. And often what I'm finding is particular, particularly people who are um, very successful tend to come yes. back with high scores in either emotional, social, or, or creative because those are areas that they're pouring out so abundantly and they've become so gifted and skilled at a pouring out of those, their level of deficiency that no one can tell that they are having an issue in that area. <laughs> okay. They sometimes can't even tell how, how much better they could perform if they were well rested. You know, you, a lot of us, can, we can very effectively pour out of our overwhelm, and we have yet to see what type of work we could produce when we are pouring out of our overflow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is so, so true. I know when I was going through the whole chronic fatigue, fibromyalgia thing, um, it, it, you know, it was like the angels saying, ah, <clears throat> she's not listening. Okay, <laughs> she's not listening to the hints, you know. Finally, like, okay, bring out the two-by-four. <laughs> because I was so good at performing. I was mm -hmm. so good at just putting it out there. Everyone thought that, you know, Dr. Karen's so great and blah, blah, blah. And it was just maybe a tiny little chink in the armor that they were like, oh, she looks a little stressed today. But, but I made such a good mask, you know, and, a, and just, you know, doing everything for everyone. It, it just took so much to finally, you know, everything to, to crumble. So I am sure that what you're saying is like some people are highly productive, highly functional, mm -hmm. but have huge deficits in certain areas of rest that if they do not address that they they really are going to be in trouble like I was. Yeah, so one of the stories I talk about in the book Sacred Rest is, a, is about a woman just like that who was just, you know, living her A game and basically ended up in my ICU with uh, lung contusion and a couple of other broken bones and things. and. You know, the, the whole time I'm talking about her story is that basically she had to have an enforced rest. And uh, it was during that yes. time that she really had a chance to kind of reflect on her life, healing from all of these injuries um, that happened when she kind of zoned out in the car because that was the only time she allowed herself to zone out, which is not very helpful if you live in, you know, a <laughs> busy um, yeah. metropolitan-type area. But that's what a lot of people do. Their zone-out time is while they're driving. And so... You know, we, we have a lot of dangerous habits that many of us have adopted as our way of adapting to our high-stress lifestyles. And I think um, the biggest key to take away is that you don't have to go on vacation. You don't have to quit your job. There are so many tiny techniques that I give within the book about how to get rest in the middle of a busy day. Because I think that's mm. what people have to understand. I was still working 50 hours a week in my medical practice. I was still on the news. I was still, you know, giving reporters interviews. I was still writing books while I was getting well-rested. 
I just learned how to identify where my deficit was and to be very intentional about getting the rest that I need in the areas where I needed it. Oh, that sounds fantastic. Right, because, and the other thing you said earlier, I want to just echo that again about not judging others for what kind of rest they need. Um, mm -hmm. Because if I were to judge, you know, say my partner, I'd be like, wow, you know, you're constantly, you know, busy looking at, uh, you know, something on your screen or the TV or something like that. And then he, if he were judging me, he would be, wow, you're constantly in, in front of the computer working. <laughs> right, you know? and uh, you know we would break for our you know our nature walk and uh, athletics and and stuff like that and uh, but it's to him he's like oh my god you work so much you know and he goes yeah but I know you love it and you get so much energy from it and it's but he can't really identify with it because it's not him right yeah you know and I can't identify with him you know how he loves you know gaming for an hour or two or three or whatever at a time I'm like oh god mm -hmm. you know, I don't want to be that stressed out for three hours, you know? <laughs> unless I'm watching a movie I choose to do that for an hour and a half or something so it, it's so easy for us to just judge another person for what they need when it's we're different yeah and you have to and that's really important you just have to get to the point where you appreciate you appreciate kind of them having their space to mm. do what they need to be their best self to stay at their highest level of effectiveness and and happiness yeah yeah that is that's really neat um, so tell us where people can find your book sacred rest Yes, well, you can connect with me on my website at ichoosemybestlife.com. There's a link for the quiz there as well, and the book's available wherever books are sold. It's an um, audio version as well as hardcover and paperback. Okay, yeah, that's fantastic. Um, and, um, it, you know, people might be asking, well, gee, you know, uh, am I going to know, like, like, what a good, like, work rest ratio is like is that something that they'll get from reading the book yes well work rest ratios that's one of the big things I work with with my coaching clients is because I think most people don't know what's a healthy ratio for them but the, the key really is to when you get to the point where you pour out you know you do those things that you love to do you're pouring out and you're giving to the world and you're giving up your gifts and your talents and then at the end of the day you know what it takes to actually fill you back up so that the next day you can pour out with the same level of intensity that's when you know you've hit your work rest ratio when you have a healthy balance of the work that you do and the rest that's required to keep you at your highest uh, level of effectiveness. And so we talk about that, yes, within the book, and then we do a lot of, I do a lot of one-on-one -on -one, um, and group coaching related to that because I think that's the hardest thing for people to, to get an understanding of. Mm, yeah, yeah. And uh, I think that it'd be useful for, for folks sometimes to, I know for me that um, it's one thing, I get so much out of out of reading books, I, like I can just like run with it, you know, for the most part, but from time to time, it's super helpful to have, have that coaching space. So I'm curious, where do you, where do you put your time or how do you find your time to do one-on-one -on -one and or group coaching in your practice? Well, my practice now, I've been practicing medicine for over 20 years, so now I've kind of down to kind of, a, I guess, part-time is how most people would identify it. I spend quite a bit of time speaking. Um, I would probably say most of my energy now is spent speaking. Well, that was until a couple of months ago. Right, right. <laughs> 
so now it's virtual speaking. But yes, most of my time has been spent speaking um, because I really just have, as you had mentioned earlier, I really just have a passion for helping healthcare workers uh, really understand how to better serve their patients and how to help in patients how to help themselves, how to be their own advocates for getting the wellness level of care that they desire. And so that's where I'm spending a lot of my time at this point. Mm, okay. And do you do coaching for healthcare providers specifically or different types of folks in different, like, you know? Specifically locations? high achievers. Um, no, ah. it's done virtually. So all the coaching is done virtually so people from across the world are able to take part in it. But it's typically high achievers. So it's people who know they like to do. They're, they are doers and they're unapologetically mm you know, those people who like to check the things off their to-do list and they have big goals and big dreams and a lot of stuff that they want to get done. And they're not trying to quit their job. They're not trying to, you know, figure out how to take 24-day vacations. They want to figure out how to do this, this resting in the middle of their real lives. And so those are the people I really like working with. Aha. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That is super cool. Oh, that is awesome. Um, well, Dr. Shana, I, Chandra, we, I've just had such a great time uh, speaking with you today. So much of, of what you've contributed is incredibly valuable, definitely to my tribe as well, because so many of us identify with some of the things that, you know, you've talked about today. And uh, I want to thank you so much for being part of the part of our show, part of Light Warrior Radio. Bless you. And um, we want to thank everyone for also listening in. Thanks so much for having me. All right. So again, it's for the quiz. Everyone is listening in. It's restquiz.com. So R-E-S-T-Q-U-I-Z.com. And then um, Dr. Sandra, if you could just say the the domain name or the URL for to connect with you specifically what yes, is that it's, again it's I choose my best life.com I choose my best life.com okay perfect thank you so thanks everyone for listening in uh, until next time take care and lots of love